On his final day, when I knew that it was going to be his final night and we made the phone calls to the rest of the family, I rang my sister. She said, I know. I said, well, how do you know? She said, I've had a visitor. I said, who's the visitor? The signs are there, but you need to see them. Welcome to Soul Sisters Get Real, the show that goes deep in who we really are and why we are really here. We're your hosts, Karen from the States and Eleni from Australia. We've had heartfelt conversations as soul sisters for years, and we're ready to share our truths, stories, and life lessons with you. And to inspire you to connect to your truest essence, which resides deep within your soul. There'll be tears, there'll be laughter, and there'll be no holding back. So sit back, relax, and let's get real about the things that truly matter. In today's episode, we're going to hear from Eleni about losing her father and grief and transformation. I would love for you to tell our audience, because you and I have had this conversation, and there's so much more about what it felt like when your father was ill and when he went to the other side. Yeah, so what I'd really like to talk about is grief. What is it? And my understanding of it after my father passed. Also the learnings. What did I learn during that time where he was in hospital, which I embody in my life now, even years later? And also, what am I so relieved about? What do I have no regrets about? When I think about the biggest event that's ever happened to me. So let's talk about all that. When I remember that time, the first thing that I want to say is that with grief, even though we're both therapists, and I I know you would agree with this, that, and we've seen many, many clients who've experienced grief, I can honestly say that until my father passed, I didn't understand it. Would you agree with that? I have to agree. In fact, I was speaking at a high school the other day And I was speaking on grief and stress. And I said, I had never lost anyone very close to me until the loss of my son. So I had not experienced, I feel very blessed. And yet I I agree with you is we don't know grief until we feel it was someone close to us. Yeah. So with me, I did experience the loss of a grandparent when, and she was very close to me, my grandmother, because she raised me. Um, when I was 12 years old and she actually died right in front of me she had a heart attack and fell you know that moment right in front of me and there was a there were a lot of emotions that I needed to process during that time but it wasn't grief so there was sadness there was guilt because I wasn't very nice to her that day there was a lot of guilt but um It wasn't grief and it really wasn't until the passing of my father that I can honestly say that I experienced grief. It's very different to sadness. It's overpowering. It's overwhelming. It almost feels like, if I can give an analogy, it's like I'm in the water and the wave just comes and then takes you and then you lose your whole balance and you go under 
and the water goes up your nose and it goes in your ears and you almost feel completely disoriented and I can't breathe and you need to come back up. And it feels like that for me in terms of grief, like I'm in the water with waves and then sometimes there's no waves and it's like, oh, you know what, I think I've got this. And the next thing you know, the wave just comes and just throws you throws you again I don't know about you but I live by the ocean and um, I have that feeling a lot where you're in this calmness and all of a sudden a, a wave comes out of nowhere and that's what grief felt like for me it was very much a roller coaster of emotion it was this I'm not in control don't try and be in control it's I'm going down just go down just go down. Don't try and fight it because it's, again, like, like a wave where if you're caught in a rip and you try and fight the rip, it's going to be worse. It's, it's, it's going to take you out. Mm-hmm. And interesting you said that because even as you were describing grief and how it's different than sadness, I feel a, like a tension, a tightness in my chest. I'm aware of it. And I would describe it as definitely a wave. But for me, it felt like a, like a piercing of my heart. Like I could feel it in my heart and my heart felt pierced and that's how I would describe it. And it's not always pierced. And yet when it hits you, it feels like someone is piercing your heart, like that wave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that piercing, I agree that it feels like a piercing of the heart. As soon as you said that, it was like, yeah, that's what it feels like as well. And it, you just need to go with it. That's the way that I felt that I managed it was by as, as soon as the tears came, you've got to release them. You've got to let them go. They usually would come. I don't know about you, Karen, but for me, they would come when I was alone. Um, if I was with others, not so much, but as soon as I was by myself, with myself, there was no one around, I would get this overwhelming feeling in my body of sadness and loss because the person that I cherished, loved, adored, the first love of my life, my father was no longer here and it was overwhelming. I would say my experience was a little different. I, I just, I would lose it. Uh, it didn't matter who I was with or where I was. If there was a song that came on, because there were certain songs at a celebration of life and pictures or something in Facebook, I would just, I would cry and I would lose it. And I would just feel the sadness. It didn't matter who I was with. And I have to agree the, the big breakdowns, the sobbing, the, um, hyperventilating sobbing. Like, I don't know if I can move through this was when I was alone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There were times when I was with others, and but mostly for me, it would come when I was not with my ego mind, when I was just with my heart. Because if I'm talking with someone or doing something, it kept me a bit distracted. But it's really important that when you, when we feel grief or when we feel any emotion, that we really honor it. And we don't try and distract ourselves from it. I know that there were many well-meaning people in my family that would like, you know, just get busy. And it's like, no, I know that's the opposite of what I need to do. It's it's about being quiet, not about being busy, because what are you doing if you're being busy? You're just basically pushing it aside. It's still there. It's just going to grow into some kind of physical ailment unless it's released. Isn't that what we tell men in our society, especially is stuff it. Don't cry. You're a big boy, right? Big boys don't cry. 
And then when it comes to grief and loss, we stuff it and it's not healthy. No, and it's also cultural as well. And also depending on your age, like my my mother who's 91, she, every time one of us burst into tears after dad's passing, she was like, you know, it's his time. She's trying to be analytical and logical and practical about it. Like, don't cry for her. She she thought that it's not good for us to cry, but in fact, it's so good for us to cry. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your dad's story and what you learned from it and your transformation because of it. Oh my God. So, so much, so, so much. Um, I'll tell you about a key moment for me, which really stood out. So my dad is a real, um, whilst he was on this earth, he was always impeccably dressed, always took care of the way that he presented himself. Um, He would often, you know, replenish his aftershave during the day. Um, He was always wearing a suit. He was always immaculate in his presentation he took care of himself and I love that about him I love the way that he took care of himself he was right until the end and there was a time when I when he had gone into hospital and this was in his final weeks and there was nobody in the hospital room and I had walked into the hospital room and he was sitting on top of his bed it must have been after he had a shower or something, but he was wearing a nappy and he had never worn a nappy before going into the hospital, which was a few. He went into hospital in March and passed away 1st of May. So it was a short period of time that he was actually in hospital. He was wearing a nappy and nothing else. And he's sitting on the bed and he was looking at himself. He didn't know that I was looking at him as I walked in and my heart broke because he was looking at himself and going, So he was shaking his head in disbelief at what had happened, at where he was. It was like. Can I I just interrupt you real quickly for us Americans? What's a nappy? Oh, you call it a diaper. Okay. (laughs) I'm thinking underwear, pajamas. Yeah. (laughs) It was one of those adult diapers and he'd never worn anything like that, even though he was. 91 um but you know just before in the weeks before when he was starting to lose the ability to control his faculties um and just walking into that room and seeing him shake his head and looking at himself in almost like where it felt like I could read his mind and what he was saying is where have I descended to what has become of me this is a man who very well spoken a poet um always smelled beautiful always looked amazing very good looking man and there he was with nothing and my heart broke broke when I saw him like that and it just was such a moment for me where the identities that we create are all going to dissolve. So he's a man who created a beautiful identity as a poet and a well-dressed man who was sitting there with nothing else but, but a diaper on. And I, it just brought me back to 
the realness of who we really are and how we leave this earth, which is with nothing. We, we don't leave with anything. There's no, there's no clothes, no beautiful outfits, no, um, no, you know, the outfit that we wear as humans in life is not coming with us. Right. Mm-hmm. The identity is not coming with us. And so that was a big, big moment for me, that kind of realisation of, in the end, what are we taking with us? Dad's not taking anything with him. But at the same time, what he is taking with him is, is who he was on this earth, which, which is a person that touched so many lives with his singing and his poetry and his loving, caring nature. So what really matters at the end, what really matters? And that was a huge learning and a huge, it, it's something we always know, but yeah. it sometimes gets put in the back of our mind as to how important relationships are. Absolutely. I think about that also with Josh as he worked so hard. He was only 23 and he had bought a house maybe not even, maybe six months prior to him passing and he's gone and there's his house that he worked so hard for, right? Same thing. Like the house is still there. Yeah. 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 And I love that my parents always knew that that even though they were immigrants from Cyprus and they came here with nothing, it was our house that everybody would come to every weekend to have a party, to have a get-together. My parents never complained about the cost of anything. It's They just wanted to be surrounded by people. And when I saw how people were impacted when my father passed, I just felt what a legacy that he's leaving behind, this legacy of... Um, touching so many people's lives because we would FaceTime our relatives from overseas in his final weeks, you know, for people to say goodbye and so on, and they're crying. He touched so many lives. Even recently I went to a funeral and um, the person told me that, who was my godbrother, he said, oh, your dad, Um, he made us cry with his songs and his poetry and he would sing for that person. He would create a song for that person. If somebody was, was visiting, he would create something for them. And he made people feel special. That's what really matters. Yeah. So tell us a bit about when you noticed he wasn't sleeping and you held his hand. Yeah. Um, I was very fortunate because so grateful because I know not many people had this opportunity but my father passed um, during this pocket of time in Melbourne Australia where restrictions were lifted and it really was a pocket because on either side we had long restrictions which meant I wouldn't have been able to visit him which I don't know how I would have coped if that would be the case and because he had cancer he was in a hospital that is basically one of the best in the world which meant that there was a bed there for somebody else to, to stay. And so me being the youngest and me absolutely wanting to spend every single moment with him, um, I stayed with dad every night in hospital. And I would, you know, even during the night, I would, it's almost like... Um, uh, you know, when you first have a baby and your your mind is never really switched off because 
you feel responsible for the other person in the room like what's are they breathing are they okay and I noticed I felt I just had this feeling that dad's awake and so I I woke up in the middle of the night and I looked at him and he was wide-eyed he was wide-eyed and just looking and I said to him dad don't you want to sleep tonight and he said no and so I said if you're not sleeping I'm not sleeping (laughs) we're going to be awake together and um, I just sat next to him and I held his hand and he held my hand so tight Mm -hmm. like he didn't have much strength in any other part of his body but his left hand he he could he could right to the very end he could hold really really tight and I just had my fingers intertwined with his and we just sat in silence and I felt his love and I know he felt my love and they were moments that I cherish forever and during those times I really thought about the people who suffered during COVID who were not able to do this with the, with their loved ones because they weren't able to go to the hospital where their loved ones had to oh, had to be with nursing staff that were head to toe with 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 outfits where there was no personal contact and my heart breaks that those people had to endure that that is an absolute travesty that is unforgivable the times that we went through where that kind of human contact was completely um, eliminated, which is so important. I can't imagine having this kind of peace in my heart without having the opportunity to spend those precious nights and precious days with, with my father. So can I ask a question around that? Did you, were you ever able to have the conversation with your dad about what happens when he's no longer on this earth? No. No, um, I didn't. He didn't. He didn't really want to talk about it, and um, I just left him. Like I would ask him, like, "Can you see anybody?" Like as he was approaching, is anything going on for you? But he really just kept. He just wanted. He was the nurses called him. His name is Stratus, and the nurses called him Stoic Stratus because he nothing was a problem. There was, he was just happy with everything. He wouldn't complain about anything. And Mm -hmm. so I don't think he wanted to upset us. Mm -hmm. I think it was for us. And um, he did everything for us. We were, he's everything. He's got five five children, Mm -hmm. 11 grandchildren, and now 20 Mm great-grandchildren. And um, it was always about making sure that we're okay. So we never talked about it. We never talked yeah. about it. So what was your experience as, as you were there with him as he passed on to the other side? And because a mm. lot of people have questions about that is, and I know I did, like, where did, where did he go? Like, he's not gone. Where did he go? So what was your experience? Oh, as you it was so mystical and so special and so incredible. So um, the, the nights leading up to it, we would be surrounding his bed and my, my elder sister, she would lead, lead the prayer. So she's um, very religious and she would have a prayer book and she would lead the prayer and we would all be in prayer in vigil around him. And there was one moment which was incredible. So my dad used to sing at the church in the choir 
and um, at the front of the church for many, many, many years, all his adult life. And in the middle of this vigil, my brother-in-law was holding a phone and he looked at it in shock and he threw it on the bed and there popped up a photo of my dad at church singing. It just came up by itself. And so for us, the message was he's with us, he's singing with us. Because at that point he was unconscious, so he couldn't open his eyes, he couldn't say anything, but we knew he could listen and we knew he could hear. And so it was a clear message that he's with us, he's singing with us. So we're all in this together. And on his final day, on his final night, um, when I knew that it was going to be his final night and we made the phone calls to the rest of the family, I rang my sister, Kathy, to tell her tonight's the night. And she said, I know. I said, well, how do you know? Because nobody else could have called her. She said, I've had a visitor. I said, who's the visitor? And she said, um, an owl came knocking on my window and looked at me and I knew that it was time. So in our culture and in our tradition, the owls would tell the families that it's time for their loved ones to pass over. And so the village people, when they would see owls coming, they would actually shoot them away because it was an omen. And so the owl, the most incredible owl, she took a picture of it. There were two other people in her house didn't look at the others, but looked straight at her to let her know that that was the night. So she was getting ready to come before I even called. Mm. And so all these mystical, incredible events, there's so many, there's many, many things that happened during the final weeks. But this is the key, Karen. I really think this is important. Anybody can say, oh, yeah, but that's a coincidence, you know, but... She's never had an owl visit her before. We don't have owls in suburban Melbourne. We don't live in the countryside. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it is about the signs are there, but you need to see them. There are many things that happened during the last few weeks of his, the time that he was on earth. You know, his exact passing, for example, even though we were, my brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws were all there, my, my brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws had actually fallen asleep And the only ones around his bed at the time of his passing were his five children. It was incredible. The in-laws, he loved them, but, you know, the soul chooses when they they pass. His children were surrounding him. And so they choose the exact moment. Whereas previously, because I was sleepless for so long, I had fallen asleep. But something got me up and got me to the bed. And I was there with my siblings. There are so many incredible moments and all of this information that we receive from the other side is so helpful because we know that they haven't turned to dust. We know that they're transforming. We can feel it. So when we listen and when we watch for the signs, we know that our loved ones are with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't aware of that either. And like you said, it's not seeing the signs, it's being open to the signs. And it's, it's incredible, whether it's coins or feathers, or, you know, electronics, or birds, a lot of times birds, you know, we talk about cardinals, when you're open to it, and you're watching for them, 
you realize that the signs are there. They are sending you messages all the time. All the time. And it continued afterwards as well. It's just, yes, we absolutely miss their physical presence. Like we miss them so much. But we know that they haven't disappeared into nothingness. And that is so comforting to know that they are there. They are there. We call them with me. When I call him, I can instantly feel him. I can feel the energy around me. I can feel him. So although it's not a hugging situation where I can hug him, but then again, I've also had times when I really needed to hug him and he would come in my dreams just for the purpose of me hugging him. And it would Mm. always be the night before a big event. Mm. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, I look at it as it's a relationship you can still have with them. And the relationship changed the energy because there's no physical body changed and there's still a relationship that you can have. And it feels, it's just so peaceful to me that we can still have a relationship, even though their physical bodies aren't here. Oh. It gives me peace around it. Yeah. About you? Yeah, and, and the thing is, even for people who think, well, I don't know, isn't it better to believe that? Even if you don't know, isn't it better to believe that they haven't disappeared? Isn't that more comforting? So why not hold that comforting thought? Why not hold it? What harm does it do to believe that they are transformed, that you will be reunited? It it, it can't be comforting to think that they've disappeared. There are so many signs that we've both received that tell us that our loved ones are with us. Why not believe that? It absolutely, absolutely helps us. And Mm -hmm. the other thing I wanted to say is that I think this is really important uh, because we've talked about, you know, grief and understanding grief and our learnings from it. But I also want to say that I'm so relieved that I have no regrets. Mm -hmm. Um, What do I mean by that? I mean that um, with my dad, every moment that I was with him, because my love for him was so fierce and so um, strong and maybe because I am so much younger because I'm the youngest out of all my siblings, so I had elderly parents as opposed to my siblings who had really young parents, I was always aware that he was going to one day not be here. That was always an awareness. Therefore, every moment was a moment that I treasured and never took him for granted If he wanted to do something, I would change anything to do it with him. Like if he said, I want to really interested in going to this place, I would change my appointments and I would take him. I would always put him first. And I am so grateful that I did that because now I have no regrets. Let's not wait until people pass. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I said the same thing about Josh is I had no regrets. I gave him a hundred percent of me, a hundred percent of the time as his mom. I loved him unconditionally and he messed up. Like he was, he was a risk taker. He was a handful. I always called him my high needs child. And yet not having regrets does help a lot in the message that I want others to learn or hear is that 
we can't do anything about those that aren't here any longer if we have regrets. And we can still repair the relationship with them by talking to them. They're there and they hear us. And lastly, it it's a really good message for us to repair the relationships of those that are still here because it sure does make it a whole lot easier, like you said, when we don't have regrets. So think about that and who's in your life and what kind of relationships can you repair so that when they're on the other side, they go over there and you can have a loving relationship without feeling the guilt when we talk about emotions, right? Of not having that. So great point. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I love your point because the souls don't hold grudges. (laughs) So even if you didn't do everything that you thought that, you know, you could have done, souls don't have grudges. That's a third dimensional reality. It's not it's not a reality on the other side. On the other side, they're loving and they're forgiving and the love is all, is just all there is. And so no matter what you said, no matter what you did, they, they love you regardless. But for those loved ones that you are still with, tell them you love them, cherish them. Like I literally, every time I saw my dad, I would attack him with kisses, attack him, attack him right to the end. You know, well before he got sick, I would be like, daddy, and I would kiss him on the neck. He'd hug the hugs and he would laugh and go, oh, okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. Because I was like, nonstop. I loved how much I loved him because he's the one who taught me how to love. Like I am me because of him. He's, he's the one who was so publicly affectionate He gave me this ability to love, tell people that you love them. And I know that we do with each other. We always tell each other we love each other. And sometimes, you know, with this podcast that we're doing, I literally sit there and close my eyes and I can just feel the energy of love for you for um, allowing and saying yes and coming into this project that we're doing together and hold that and I feel it so yeah let's just tell people we we love each other I love you too and I love every one of you that's listening I really do thank you for spending time with us yeah and um yeah we do love you because there's a reason that you've come into our world and it's to be part of the journey and to listen into our personal stories, our learnings. And thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. We hope you loved it. And if you did, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. And remember, always connect to your truest essence and choose love. We'll see you next time.